If you need a laugh, here on your behalf It's bad mates, are we fighting crime? Or just wasting time? It's bad mates, lunch, boom, crash, kapow Stream it, download, holy cow You can stop listening now to bad mates Because we're bad mates Welcome, boys and ghouls, to a special spooky episode of Batmates, where me, Joshua, and my beloved do a podcast about Batman. Hello and welcome to Batmates, critters and creatures of the world. Today we are celebrating our one of our favorite holidays, Halloween, uh, by celebrating the spookiest and scariest of all Batman villains, Jonathan Crane himself, the Scarecrow. Uh, and also to celebrate Halloween this week, uh, we are happy to announce we have started a Twitch channel and we will be streaming Arkham Asylum live on Twitch all Halloween uh, starting 12 noon Eastern Standard Time and going until we get tired, which might be the entire game. We don't know. We don't have plans. It's <laughs> Halloween and there's a pandemic. Um, so join us at Batmates Podcast on Twitch.com. That's Twitch.tv slash Batmates Podcast. Uh, and that'll be 12 noon Eastern Standard Time for our spooky, scary Arkham Asylum Stream. Uh, but like I said, this is Batmates. Uh, Did you tell them who you are yet? Yeah. Oh, my name's Becca. I'm his beloved. And <laughs> you're only allowed to call me that forever. Um, yeah. So uh, this is a Batman podcast. Right off the bat, I need to put something out there. <laughs> this is very, very important. This is a very important PSA. <laughs> Hot off the presses. <laughs> For 13 days ago, when this movie came out, <laughs> Bat Batman uh, Death in the Family, they released a movie called Batman Death in the Family. It is very important that if you would like to buy this movie, you do not buy it on Vudu or Movies Anywhere or any streaming service, to be honest, because here's the deal. It was pitched as a choose-your-own-adventure it's essentially a re-release of the Under the Red Hood movie with a choose-your-own-adventure element. They've animated like, new scenes. Like Bandersnatch on Netflix. Yeah, you get to choose Robin's fate. You get to change the outcome of the Death in the Family story. And the only way to do it with as a choose-your-own-adventure is, is on the Blu-ray. So you have to buy the Blu-ray if you want to do a choose-your-own-adventure. If you buy it on Vudu, you will only get Under the Red Hood Reloaded, which is like a 30-minute thing that uses a lot of footage from the original Under the Red Hood, and it's just a retelling of the regular Death in the Family story. If you buy it on Movies Anywhere, you get four different versions that are like pre-packaged uh, that have different outcomes, but you don't get to choose like what the outcomes are. You just get to watch four different versions of it. Which is more than we got. We got a half hour of Under the Red Hood, and then we got a bunch of shorts that we didn't care about. Yeah. But they were they were okay. There they was... were pretty neat. Yeah, there was, uh, what was it? It was... Sergeant was... Rock or something, mm -hmm. and he, he led a... It was a good Halloween. Yeah, he leads a team of uh, Universal Movie Monsters. Pretty much, yeah. It's like a werewolf, a vampire, and Frankenstein, uh, Frankenstein yeah. No. And they fight Nazis. Frankenstein's creation. 
Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, and uh, the other one that's spooky is there's uh, one that explores uh, Neil Gaiman's character from Sandman, Death, uh, and her little, she has a little story. It was very depressing, though. Josh, it's hated, the last Josh hated one. It. It's the last one of all the shorts, and it's the most depressing. It, yeah. They leave it on a terrible note. It's sad. But, uh, yeah, so. Oh, there's Batman... also one directed by Bruce Timm as well. Which one? Directed by Bruce Tim, and it has the the characters and art style is Bruce Tim's as well. Mm-hmm. It's um the Phantom Stranger, I think he's called. Oh yeah, that's a pretty good one. Mm-hmm. It's kind of Scooby Doo vibes. Yeah, it's about uh like a Manson esque cult that. No, don't spoil it. Okay. It's got Scooby Doo and Marilyn Manson vibes. Not Marilyn <laughs> Manson. Charles Manson. Charles Manson. That one. Uh yeah. So we watched that and can't give you a review of it because it was basically under the red hood, but shorter and didn't have Jensen Ackles in it. Yeah, it was just the voice actor for Bruce Wayne doing like 90% of the dialogue was him just doing voiceover. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, so we are a podcast where we primarily talk about uh, Silver Age portrayals of villains and then we get into more detail with those villains and how they've changed over the years and what we like and dislike about those portrayals um and also we're engaged so that's also our gimmick uh but yeah like i said this week we are diving into the spooky scary scarecrow but first we've got a little bit of batman news um other than don't watch the death in the family movie on a streaming service go out and buy the dvd if you want the full experience um but our news is actually in regards to a we need a news jingle Here's the news. I've got some news. Here's your Batman news today. Wonderful. Thank you. Right off the cuff. Um, so we've got some news about a upcoming, upcoming kind of a Batman film. No, it's the it's the it's, Flash. Well, yeah, it's the Flash, and I had just a little tidbit about uh, the Snyder verse, the Snyder cut. Oh not, yes. Not much info, just that uh, Jared Leto will be returning as the Joker for the Snyder cut, but he's only going to be filming for a week. So it'll probably just be a little cameo. It'll probably be, at some point, Bruce will like be having a dream again, and Joker will be like, "Ooh, I'm damaged." Ooh, <laughs> knives, and he'll be like, "Ah." Anyway, um, so speaking of his dreams, of course, there was that scene from Batman v Superman with the like weird entrance of the Flash, and he like interrupts Batman's dream, and he says something about like Lois Lane, and. Ben Affleck was like, who's that? And then he was like, oh no, I'm too early. And then I don't know what happened because... They like were teasing a Flashpoint yeah. Paradox thing, which for anybody who's not aware of Flashpoint Paradox is this event that happens in the DC Universe where the Flash goes back in time and like changes the entire course of events. And they use it as a plot device in the comics a lot to mm-hmm. reboot things and shift around timelines and get characters to do stuff they don't normally do. It's also a really good way to bring in the element of like having a multiverse, which Marvel is starting to peek their heads out with like, ooh, maybe we've got a multiverse going on with our uh, WandaVision show that's coming out soon. That's going to have some like multiverse elements to it. Well, they already had the multiverse with um, the, they're talking about doing the Loki thing, right? Where yeah. Loki like lives contrary to what happens to him in the Avengers Endgame. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because it's, it's not, like a timeline break. It's not. It's not a multiverse. It's like a timeline break, like in Back to the Future. Yeah, that one's a timeline break. I think they're going to do some multiverse stuff because, well, we won't really get into it. We're not a Marvel podcast, but 
there might be some multiverse stuff. And when, when and if that happens, we'll discuss the differences between timeline breaches and multiverse breaches. Um, but this, I think they're going to do multiverse breaches because they're bringing in different universe Batmans to the Flash movie. Um, and Ezra Miller, who is the Flash in, you know, the the DCEU, um, and who is a huge fan of Flashpoint, uh, has said that there will be elements of Flashpoint, like, in this movie. Um, and both Ben Affleck and Michael Keaton are both confirmed to reprise their roles as Batmen in this upcoming Flash movie. Um so that's really cool. But the news is that Joseph Gordon-Levitt will also be involved in this movie in some way, playing a kind of like second generation Batman from the Nolanverse. Um, if you've seen The Dark Knight Rises, you'll remember that kind of like awkward, I thought it was awkward, ending where he like goes somewhere and some lady's like, oh, your real name's Robin. That's pretty. And then he like goes to the Batcave and is like, wow, look at all this stuff. So it's kind of teasing like, don't worry, fans just because bruce is gonna go have a happy ending there will still be a batman and won't won't that be great so yeah he might show up as sort of like maybe like a batman beyond kind of character maybe Maybe, yeah maybe kind of similar to like when uh dick grayson was batman for a while yeah or when Azrael took over the the mantle i mean there's been multiple people as batman besides bruce bruce wayne in the comics and in other continuities Mm -hmm. so it's not like out of the question that it would be anybody else so it'll be interesting to see how that happens i'm kind of hoping there will be a moment where like keaton as like old man batman is like wait a minute you're not bruce wayne what's going on here and be like yeah bruce wayne like he went off to France with, with Catwoman, and he'll be like, no, it's not how it's supposed to be. And I'll be like, I know, Michael Keaton, I know. That's not how it's supposed to be. Anyway. Speaking of Michael Keaton, though, there's other news about him, correct? Uh, what is that news? He is rumored. Rumored. There's rumors? There's of my, rumors? Of my rumors? That he will be in an HBO series that is going to be based around Batman Beyond. Hmm. So it's HBO Max, and I don't know like what their structure is. I know they're doing that weird Halloween movie with the witches, and that looks like it has a decent CGI budget, mm-hmm. but I think that's just a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, this is going to be a series. Again, rumored is going to be a series based on Batman Beyond. Uh, we have no idea who's going to play Terry McGinnis, or even if they're going to have a character named Terry McGinnis, All we know is that Michael Keaton is signed on for a Batman project for HBO Max, and it's very likely that he's going to be playing an older Bruce Wayne, and the reports are that... (laughs) Obviously. And the reports are that it's going to be based around Batman Beyond. But I I really hope that HBO gives them enough of a budget that they can do the cooler stuff in Batman Beyond. Mm -hmm. Because it's it's sci-fi. And also, I like the Batman Beyond universe because I think it's a natural extension of Gotham's old-time noir detective into, like, a future uh, cyberpunk detective. I think, like, old-time noir and future cyberpunk have a lot of parallels in terms of, like, the seediness of the city Mm -hmm. and all that sort of stuff. Does Batman Beyond still have police blimps? No. But it does have a flying Batmobile, like a flying car. Uh, and it's weird because in the, sh- in the TV show, they show like regular cars, but they also show flying cars. Mm-hmm. So it seems like it's, it's on this weird, like cusp point of flying cars exist, but they're not like mainstream. Like most people don't use them. Mm-hmm. 
They're only for people like Bruce Wayne and like Elon Musk. And like shipping companies and stuff. There's like yeah. flying cargo ships and stuff. It's yeah, it's interesting. Weird. And I hope we get to see it and I hope their CGI budget is big enough to do like the the animal transformation story arc about this thing that like turns people It's kind of like Titan. Um not Titan. Um is it Titan? What's the thing that Bane uses? Titan. Yeah, Titan. It's kind of like Titan where it like makes them big and mm. it turn, but it also like turns them into animal hybrids. Weird. Uh, there's Ink, which we talked about last episode. She yeah. gets to like move around. She's part of a science experiment. Yeah. Um, there's some really neat Batman Beyond stuff that they could do really well if they had good CGI. Ooh, well, it's exciting. I mean, we've seen HBO do some amazing CGI with Game of Thrones. Of course, that's that's true, but that's usually limited expensive. to like once once a season or like once every episode they do like 10 minutes or whatever yeah I mean, it's not like a full episode of cgi i'm sure just like gotham will get a lot of scenes of like maybe terry and bruce like talking in the bat cave and like terry mm-hmm. going to like investigate things at a club and then like once or twice an episode he'll like get on like a, a light cycle and go, <laughs> go into tron <laughs> or i don't know i didn't really watch batman beyond anyway uh so that's all i got for news uh, some news and some rumors there for you. Uh, so you want to bring us into the beautiful story of the lovely life of Jonathan Crane? Okay, yes. Um, so I won't go over his origin story in the Golden Age because that's what we're going to cover anyway when we go over the comic. Um, but the Scarecrow was created by Bill Finger and Bob Kane. He debuted in World's Finest Number 3, which was released in 1941. So he's like one of the OG Batman villains. He was released in the first two years of Batman's existence. Mm. Um, Let's see here. So like I said, we're going to go over his origin story later because it gets recapped in the comic. Um, But his origin from Batman Scarecrow Year One, which I suppose is his modern age origin story, um, is that he was teased for looking like Ichabod Crane in high school. (laughs) Uh, He loves fear. He... And so he gets teased a lot and he brings a gun to prom to get back at his bully, uh, who then gets in a car crash with paralyzing him and then killing the cheerleader who rejected his advances earlier. Mm. (laughs) Um, uh, you're going to see, this is like a common thread of Jonathan Crane, uh, the scarecrow. Oh, that's his, that's his, um. His alter ego, his secret identity. Yes. Not really secret identity. Dr. Jonathan Crane. Dr. Jonathan Crane. Is that he uh, He brings a gun to school a lot. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of a... When did that kind of start? Was that like still in the in like the earlier days? Was that was part of his backstory? Or did that start to become incorporated like later? I mean, we see in the comic that we're about to read and in the Golden oh. Age origin story that he's a professor who brings a gun into class. Well, yes. But is it always like... He's a teacher who brings a gun to school, or is it ever like he's a student? No, this was in high school. So this is his modern age interpretation. He was a high school student who brought a gun to prom. Mm. Yeah, that's like a modern day fear because of like Mm -hmm. all the more recent school shootings. So I guess he doesn't go to jail for that because it doesn't like ruin his his prospects. Because after that, he works at Arkham and Gotham University. At Arkham, he conducts experiments about fear, like on the inmates. Um, and as a professor, he accidentally shoots a student. Oh, God. And then gets fired, but then uh, comes back and kills the professors who got him fired. Uh, and after that, turns to a life of crime. Mm. 
As you do. Yeah. I mean, what else he got after that? Exactly. Really. So that's his modern age interpretation. His new 52 origin story is that his father experimented on him so his father kind of takes a a role similar to him in the modern age where his father is a university professor who conducts fear experiments and locks him in a uh, small dark room Mm -hmm. and then his father suffers from a heart attack oh god and dies and Jonathan Crane, as a, as a boy, is left in this small dark room for days before, like, the university officials rescue him. Mm-hmm. And from that point on, becomes obsessed with fear, yada, 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 sort of similar story after that. Okay. That's horrible. I know. Terrible. Yikes. Uh, some other... Oh, I, I did want to point out that um, Scarecrow, because he was one of Batman's original villains, and he's, like, one of the staples of the, like his rogues gallery is that almost any Batman media that you can think of has him in it. So like video games, movies, television shows, he was in Gotham. Um, he was played by Sicilian Murphy in Batman Begins. He's in that new Harley show. I mean like almost every single comic book line or series or whatever has some sort of appearance of him. Cillian Murphy. Cillian Murphy? Maybe Killian. It's probably Killian. C-I-L-L-I-A-N. Yes. Okay. It's not... It's it's a British name. Yes. So I think it's killing. If, if I've butchered it as as Americanized it. Yes. Um <clears throat> I love his portrayal in yeah. uh Batman Begins. I, I know I've seen that movie more times than you have. And it's probably my favorite of the Nolan verse, just because I really dig Bruce. I just I like Christian Bale so much, and I <laughs> I like to watch him have emotions. <laughs> He's such a fantastic actor. We watched American Psycho last night, which is also one of my favorite movies. Um, In that one, is he afraid of bats? Yeah, because he. Uh, he, that's that's the one where he falls down the well when he's a boy. No, 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 not not Bruce Wayne. Oh, is is Jonathan Crane af- afraid of bats? I don't think so. I think he just gets infected with his own fear toxin. Okay, because I I think that was one of the story one of the origin stories mentions that he has a fear of bats. Yeah, and then there's another uh, thing about him where he works with his fear gas so often that he can't feel fear anymore except through Batman, and that's why he, like, looks to spar with Batman is because it's the only thing that can make him feel alive. Oh, God. It's terrible. Oh, my God. That's taking it a little too far, I think. Um, I mean, it's the same way that I try to ride higher and higher and faster and faster roller coasters to feel alive. (laughs) Pretty much. Um, But, yeah, I really like the portrayal of Scarecrow in the first uh, Nolan movie, I just really dig the whole, like, he puts on the little, like, hood to, like, frighten prisoners and get them to talk to him. I think that's that's a weird, like, creepy... <laughs> I like when he's, like, half scarecrow, but, like, still wearing a suit. Mm. And I also like that they incorporated him in little cameos throughout the rest of the movies. Like, he's in the very beginning of The Dark Knight, where Batman, like, <laughs> he, like, foils another one of his plots and there's a guy there who shows up who's also dressed like batman and he like ties him up because he's like only i can be batman and the guy's like what's the difference between you and me man we're both fighting the same thing and that's where he says the famous line i'm not wearing hockey pads (laughs) a banger and then he's also in uh the dark knight rises as like the judge 
when Bane has taken over Gotham and they're like sending everybody out like on ice flows and stuff, he's there oh. like you know declaring the guilt of Gotham's elite under Sim- similar, the new regime. Similar to that episode of the animated series where the Arkham Asylum inmates put Batman on trial. Similar, yeah, but yeah, they're just, I think by that point in the movie, that's when he's been like thrown in the pit and I don't know if it's called Santa Prisca in that movie, but that's what it is. Oh yeah, it's in Mexico. I don't know if they, I don't think they call it Santa Prisca. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to watch that movie again, but maybe we should <laughs> just to get our facts straight, <laughs> get our Bane impression right. Um, yeah, I dig Scarecrow so much in the Arkham games. I really am looking forward to playing Arkham Asylum. Um, the parts where like it makes your game like chug and get slower I, really affected me because when I first played Arkham Asylum, it was on a laptop and I really thought it was my laptop was going bad. I mean, most people did because yeah. what it does is they made it so it looks like your graphics card is dying, <laughs> which is really crazy. Very scary. It is very scary. A real scare. Uh, so tell me about Jonathan Crane's skills, abilities. So in like mainline comics, he has his fear gas. Uh, and the, the comic that we're going to read was actually the first appearance of his fear toxin. Mm-hmm. Um, and that makes people, depending on the continuity, uh, it either makes people see a specific fear or it makes them see whatever their worst fear is. Mm-hmm. Uh, his mask in certain continuities has filters, air filtration systems, which allow him to like not be affected by his own fear gas. Mm-hmm. Ahead of his time. He uh, he carries around a scythe sometimes, which he uses as a weapon. Uh, in the first comic that he appears in, World's Finest, he just uses a gun. He just straight up uses a gun. If it works, it works. I know. Like that's the difference between Golden Age and Silver Age comics. Is like there are guns in the Silver Age comics, but they're not used to the extent that they are in in Golden Age. No. Um, and then there's other stuff that he has that he has only in like certain storylines. So there was a storyline called As the Crow Flies, where he mutates and mm. gains the ability to transform into a large monster. Okay. Which he can only do under great physical stress or something like that. Uh, and then the, the other one was in the Blackest Night storyline, he becomes a Yellow Lantern. Hmm. So he gains, uh, it's a duplicate of Sinestro's ring. Mm-hmm. So to any of those who don't know the Green Lantern mythos, um, each ring, so the Green Lanterns are hope. Something like that. And uh, the Yellow Lanterns are fear. So because Jonathan Crane like lives in fear and lives his life around fear, he's very adept with the Yellow Lantern ring. He can make constructs very easily. Mm. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I love that. I love crossovers. And that's pretty much all I have about like different stuff that he's been in, like sort of different abilities that he has. I don't Mm. know if you have any more that you know of. No. I'm curious, what's your favorite portrayal of uh, Scarecrow? Mine's Killian Murphy, hands down. Yeah? Yeah, I like him. I like him in the Arkham games. And and I like, because it's like a switch up of the gameplay of the Arkham games, I don't think that he was used... To great effect in the animated series. Yeah. I think his his um, his appearances later on when they switched to the new animated series where they changed up his character design where he has like a noose hanging around his neck and stuff. He's spookier in that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but they they don't do his, his character justice, I don't think, in that. Do you like his character in the Harley show? He's been in a couple episodes. Not really. I know that that's sort of based on his uh, Dark Knight trilogy appearance because he has a, a British accent. He actually doesn't have a British accent in the Dark Knight. 
version. He is like a. He's but a, the actor is British. Well, yeah. And it's a reference. It's like a reference to him. Is it? Yeah. I think Jonathan Crane's just supposed to be British, but they didn't make him British in the in the movie. He grew up in Gotham. Oh. Well, I guess depending on listen which we're, continuity. We're gonna get into this comic, and I've got some I've got some stuff to say about the way he's dressed. <laughs> uh, I, I my head canon is that he's British in the okay. comics, but I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. Um, yeah. All right. Well, should we just get into it? Yeah, I think that wraps up Rogue Roundup. So now it's time to move on to the comic, which is Batman One Eighty Nine. This comic uh, has got a cover date of February nineteen sixty seven, but it was apparently released in December of nineteen sixty six. The writer was Gardner Fox, penciler was Sheldon Maldoff, inker was Joe Giella, letterer was Gaspar Saladino, and the editor was Julius Schwartz. No Bill Finger in this one. Although I think Bill Finger wrote the little part that we're going to see at the beginning that's from the Golden Age, right? Yes. That was that's a that's a Moldoff Finger original. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's uh it's drawn directly from World's Finest number 3. Mm-hmm. So the the comic has a beautiful uh cover. I love it. It's gorgeous. It's oh, it's, it's so the crazy. scarecrow hanging Batman off of a cliff. Mm-hmm. Um which doesn't happen in the comic at all. Yeah. But it, it's a really beautiful... I interpret it as it's what he's picturing in his mind at that one part that we'll see. Okay. even funnier. Um, and it opens up with a, a prologue, which is ripped word for word from the world's finest number three where he's introduced. Mm-hmm. It's a... So, like I said, it's word for word, but it's not panel for panel. So it's a redrawing of his origin story. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can move right into that unless you have other stuff to say about it. I want to talk a little bit about this comic. Uh, why I think he's British is that he's a little stinker in short pants who likes to chase birds <laughs> in the very first panel that we see him in. He's wearing like a little like a schoolboy outfit with like a little matching jacket and shorts. You, he's got a stick. He's got to be British. That's just my opinion. Um... So he grew up to be a psychology professor uh, who points guns at, guns at his students to teach them about fear. Uh, <laughs> we see him in this class and he's saying, oh, if I point this gun at you, you'd be a little afraid. But if I shot this vase and he shoots a vase, you'd be even more afraid. So uh, what I have written down is he became a professor of psychology who brings a gun to school and ruins the wall because he just <laughs> fires that thing into the wall. I mean, he, f- he fires it through a vase, but... He's going to ruin the wall that way. Yeah. Maybe maybe this is why his colleagues don't like him. Because <laughs> we then see them uh, talking smack about him behind his back. That's literally word for word what I have in my notes. Really? Talk smack. Yeah. yeah. I, I said his colleagues mock him, say he looks like a scarecrow. Uh, um, and they don't invite him to a party. Yeah. Because... Because his clothes are dirty or something? Yeah, he wears shabby clothes. Which he almost takes up as sort of like uh, like a point of pride. Because they, they mock him for wearing shabby clothes and spending his money on books instead of new clothes. Which, as a professor, you might think that he would, he would want that. He would want to be buying books. Uh, but so he takes this idea of like, yes, fear plus poverty equals me, the scarecrow. I did want to make a comment about that. Uh, so he figures he needs money for books and clothes. So he takes up extortion. Yeah. Um, 
The other thing is that it reminded me of that drill tweet, which is like uh, a, a budget, and it has things. So it's like for, for Jonathan Crane, it's like food, $10, clothes, $10, books, $400. Someone help me budget this. My family is dying. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, $1,000. Yeah, really. A month. Uh, so that takes us to, do you, do you have more to say about his origin? Not really. I read some of the world's finest that was uh, the golden age story that this is ripped word for word from. Mm. And uh, after what it what it shows, where they talk about his uh, scarecrow identity, uh, he like I said, he takes up extortion. He goes to some guy's house and shoots him. <laughs> and then he's like, "If you don't drop this lawsuit against this other guy, I'll come back and shoot you in the heart." And that's what he does for a living: is he like intimidates people for money. Wow, well, love it. Gotta love the forties. Yeah. Uh, so we open up in present day, 1966-ish, and uh, Dick is spending his summer playing in the park with some kids. It says he's a playground instructor. Yeah, he's kind of. I didn't know it was like, like a job. It's not. <laughs> he's leading them through like gymnastic drills on like a jungle gym that doesn't look big enough for all of them to be climbing all over it. Um, and it's one of those jungle gyms that's just like square metal bars. Yeah. Uh, my favorite part is that he has a little interaction with a scrawny, scared little nerd yep. named Andy. Mm -hmm. What a nerd. What a nerd that Andy is. Yeah, he's what a big a, nerd. What a loser. <laughs> he's so afraid. He delivers wisdom, though. He, he says, let's see if I can quote it here word for word. Um... You know, oh, we overcome fear by fighting it, by doing the very thing we fear to do. You know it isn't so bad. Once you overcome a fear by confronting it, it will never bother you again. Hmm. Well, if you, when you sent me pictures of giant spiders, that did not work. You so. need to confront it. I don't want to. I tried. I don't like them. <laughs> don't like them even a little bit. So please do not send us pictures of giant spiders to our Gmail, which uh, is batmatespodcast at gmail.com. Yes. Don't send spiders to batmatespodcast at gmail.com. Like, please don't, because I do get those emails on my phone, and I'll never, I'll, I never know. I don't like it. Uh, so, yeah, he actually gives Andy a little pep talk, and then Andy overcomes his fears. So you know what? Andy wasn't weak. He just needed a little encouragement. And maybe we, maybe we should all be a little more like Andy. Yep. Yep. Uh, my favorite is, uh, he then from like the top of his perch. Dick does. Yeah. yeah he sees, uh, something called a midget submarine, which I don't think you're allowed to say anymore. <laughs> I think it just means like a miniature submarine. Yeah. It's just like a submarine that can carry a couple of people instead yeah. of a full on. It's not one that's full of little people. No, it's it's not a it's not a submarine for midgets. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a submarine that is smaller than a normal submarine. Okay, I feel like we shouldn't say that word anymore for anything. Uh, but he runs on over it to it and says, "My favorite line of the comic: Holy shakaroo! It's the scarecrow. <laughs> love that. Gonna start incorporating that into my own parlance. Holy shakaroo! Yeah, I love it." So uh, he's contemplating what to do. He does have his Robin costume in his little lunch basket. But luckily, Batman appears out of nowhere with emergency ice cream rations uh, for Bruce the kids. Wayne appears out of nowhere. Oh, sorry. Driving an ice cream truck with Alfred, which brings me to the question, does Bruce Wayne own an ice cream truck or is this a rental? He probably owns it. You think he owns an ice cream truck? Yeah, I bet he bought it when he was like a kid. <laughs> and he's been like sitting on it. <laughs> 
I bet, he's just had it in a garage. I think that was his first purchase after his parents died. <laughs> he was like, all right, dead parents, I'm buying an ice cream truck. Ice cream forever. Ice cr- live it up. That's it's, what I would buy. It's not an investment either, because later in the comic, like in the next couple of panels, no, no, I guess it's the end of the comic, right? Uh, we see that he's giving away the ice cream for free. Yeah, Alfred even puts it in quotes. He says, I'll mind the store. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he and Robin change into their lightweight summer costumes, which for Robin includes breezy shorts. But it does look, it just looks like the regular costume. But it does yeah. make a point that they are wearing lightweight summer costumes, lest you think that they're going to somehow die of heat stroke fighting the scarecrow in broad daylight <laughs> at 10 a.m. at the park. <laughs> Uh, so they run into Scarecrow digging up some buried treasure. He apparently, the last time he did a heist, he just buried the dollar bills in the ground instead of taking it to, I don't know, a, a, bank, a bank, an offshore <laughs> offshore account somewhere in the Cayman Islands, like a, a real villain would. And not just anywhere. He, he buried this in a park in Gotham. A public park. Like a public park in Gotham. Either this was not developed into a public park in 1941 when he first appeared, mm. or he's terrible at finding hiding places. <laughs> Probably that one. Uh, so they fight... I like you. I know you liked uh, his his line when he runs up to Scarecrow. Yeah, uh, he says, "I outran Robin, Scarecrow, so I get first crack at you." And he just lays Scarecrow out yeah. like a one fell swoop with a big punch, knocks Scarecrow on his back. Robin does one of my favorite moves of his, where he does the like fly at you with both fists out yeah. punch, but it's more of like a push this time. He takes down both of uh, Scarecrow's goons. And then uh, Scarecrow actually, while he's, you know, getting up from getting punched in the face, brings out an electronic device that raises the submarine's periscope, uh, which releases a chemical spray, which we all now know is his fear toxin. Mm-hmm. Which came out of the, which came out of the submarine. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, the, so the fear toxin makes Batman and Robin think that they're falling into a bottomless pit. Yeah. They freak out. They freak out. Robin grabs onto a tree, and Batman is also like, don't take up all the room on the tree. I need to grab onto something, too. But it's silly as all heck. Yeah. Because they're just, like, stumbling around on a on a hillside. They're standing on solid ground, and they're still afraid of falling. Mm-hmm. Uh... Which is going to be his gimmick. He takes, like, Scarecrow take common fears and gives them to Batman and Robin. Yeah, he's not doing the thing that we kind of think about of the fear toxin of modern age, where it just makes you experience your worst fears. Like, every time it does it in the Arkham games, he, like, Batman's always transported to, like, Crime Alley. Yeah, he, like, relives his trauma. Mm-hmm. Sad. I hate it. I uh, think this one is better. Yeah. Just make you feel a specific fear. I guess so. I don't know how you would, like... I mean, I don't know how you would attune it to somebody's, like, personal trauma anyway, but how could you be like, this will make you feel like you're going to fall into a bottomless pit? (laughs) I mean, like, we know that, like, psychedelics don't do that, really. Oh, that's right, because they do explain it later. They say... Wait, we'll we'll get to it. Okay. So, uh, the Scarecrow leaves his... uh, Calling card. His sinister calling card. Straws of hay! Which he calls his symbol of mighty power. <laughs> I love it. What a what a what a delight. <laughs> they will come into into play later, so I am happy that they oh, set it up here. That is something that I didn't bring up in the Rogue Roundup. I think in Hush he has straws that he breaks in half and have have fear toxin in them. Oh, weird. Yeah, I vaguely remember that. I haven't read Hush in like I don't know, like eight years. Okay, it's been a while. Uh, so. 
we get a little vocab lesson um, as the fear toxin wears off. Uh, Batman says that it was probably a hallucinogen. At the bottom it says, editor's note, hallucinogens are a family of chemicals with unusual hallucinatory and emotional effects on the human brain and body. <clears throat> and now it's time for a segment that, for legal reasons, I'm calling Becca's History Minute. It's Becca's History Minute. Uh, so I thought it was weird that, that they felt the need to sort of explain what hallucinogens were, because by 1966, um, by this point, a Harvard professor and LSD researcher Timothy Leary had already popularized the phrase tune in, no, turn on, tune in, drop out. So I really feel pretty certain that most of the kids and teens who would have been reading this in 1966 knew what a hallucinogen was. It was pretty common knowledge. I actually thought this was going to lead into them sort of being like, be careful with hallucinogens, kids. Like, you never know what you'll see. They're yeah, scary. No. But it doesn't even really do that. Maybe it just sort of like highlights the word hallucinogen so that if like an older kid is like, hey, take this, it'll make you hallucinate in your head as like a little 10-year-old in 1966, you'll be like, oh no, I don't want to have that happen to me. Like what happened to Batman? And you won't be cool and take the LSD. You know what though? I, um, and that was Becca's History Minute for legal purposes. To, to the point, and I don't know if I'm allowed to share this, but I knew a friend who had a friend who took LSD mm-hmm. and experienced something similar to this. Yeah, where, you, don't have to, you don't have to name names, you can talk about where, it. <laughs> Um, they said that like they took LSD and, or maybe it was mushrooms and, uh, they, they thought that like the floor was lava and they jumped on top of, um, on of like a counter Mm -hmm. and like wouldn't get down because they were terrified of, of, of getting on the floor. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't have any real personal experience with hallucinogenic drugs. I think Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I've like seen people take them before. They kind of just seem like they're like in their own head and. You know, especially if it's mushrooms, they'll be like, I don't feel well because mm-hmm. I took a poisonous mushroom. That <laughs> might make me get sick. Um, but I think it's actually explored really well in the movie Midsummer, which I know you didn't see, but no. I did. Um, it actually has a very similar effect to like kind of the fear toxin from Arkham Asylum. The main character, uh, Danny, without spoiling too much, uh, goes through like a family trauma at the beginning of the movie and later on when she takes mushrooms it kind of like enhances her feelings about that recent trauma she like uh. sees things and experiences things that like remind her of that trauma which i feel is pretty similar so it's it, it's possible that really he was just shooting him up with lsd back here in 66 just say no kids so like i honestly like turn turn on tune in drop out just say no kids or don't or say yes don't say yes. Maybe you could say yes. Don't say the yes. The point is it's an open-ended question. <laughs> it's not. It is. Don't do drugs. Uh, this podcast does not advocate for drug use. But it doesn't. also doesn't uh, dissuade you from... No, it does. Don't mm-hmm. do them. If you can do them if you want, and you can do it This safely. is This bit has gone on too long. All right, all right. All right. So, uh, Scarecrow... Steps on Riddler's toes, leaving clues for the world's greatest detective, which we all know is always the best idea, because how could he possibly solve a puzzle? Why Why do villains keep leaving clues? They gotta, he's, they gotta make sure that Batman's gonna show up and appreciate their plans. Although this what? one, it does make sense why he does it, as we'll see later. Oh, yeah, yeah well, the second clue, but the, the last clue doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. The second clue is a trap. I'm just going to say that, lay that out. Yeah. Uh, spoilers, it's a trap. It's a trap. But the, but the third clue that he gives is is not a trap. No. And he should not have left it. No, he would have gotten away too if it wasn't for these meddling clues. Okay. Uh, yeah, the, the clues he leaves are Park, Ark, and Mark. And mm-hmm. then after he leaves the clues, uh, Bruce and, and Dick 
change out of their costumes and give the boys who were on the jungle gym ice cream. I just want to say this as someone who has a lot of experience in the ice cream field, as someone who worked in the, you know, the ice cream industry for a decade. Um, <laughs> you did not work I, in the ice cream industry for a decade. I did. Really? I did. I can show you my resume. Oh, wow. Absolutely. From 2006 to 2016. 2000... Roughly. Yeah. Wow. Um, worked in the ice cream industry at a little place you might know as the DQ. Um, I thought it was interesting, these little dispensers on the side of the truck, they look like soft serve dispensers, but in the cones, it's clearly hand dipped ice cream, like that hard ice cream that you would get from like, you know, uh, like a Baskin Robbins, but like, you don't see like spigots like that at Baskin Robbins. That's for like, like a soft serve hmm. kind of thing. Maybe maybe they have root beer and the, the ice cream is inside the truck and... Oh, maybe. Maybe those are like root beer taps. For floats or something. Or, or they're water taps for washing out like cups or something. Uh, hard, hard to say. Okay. We're not showing enough, but I just wanted to throw that in there as an ice cream expert. Okay. All right. Back in the Batcave, Batman and Robin are trying to figure out these clues on the back computer, which I have a lot of questions about how the back computer actually works. It seems like it's kind of a cross between like, it'll take from like recent news articles and like, it's like a library card filing system. No, no, it's not a library card. It works on punch cards. Yeah, I don't enough understand. It's, it's a computer that works on punch cards. Okay. Because this was the 60s. Yeah. And, and that was what computers worked on. Are all those punch cards like recent Gotham news No, articles? no, no. no. Pun punch cards are programs. Okay. So, uh, oh my God. mini Josh's fact corner. Oh my God. It's like a nap time. Is that, uh, so, so the, the punch cards had instructions on them that you would give to the computer and it would interpret them just like a, a modern day computer interprets code. Mm -hmm. So every punch card has essentially like a line of code on it okay. and it tells the computer what to do next. So a bunch of them put together create a program. And that's why when we see what happens later, so so I'm just gonna run through this real quick. Batman and Bobby, Robin evaluate the clues via the back computer. They get a near match, uh, they, they are trying to figure out what the word arc means as part of the clues. And they are like, well, maybe it's this thing. And then they pass by Alfred and they ask Alfred, uh, he's like carrying a box full of punch cards. And they're like, wait, are those for the back computer? And he says, yeah. So he puts the new punch cards in the back computer and they get like a perfect match. Mm -hmm. So it's, he's basically updating the program so that the program is better at finding matches. Uh, okay. I want to pretend I understood how that worked, but all right. I okay. love that. I just really wish they had gone to the Floating Palace, which was a gambling ship located three miles offshore of Gotham. I wish that had been the next scene. I would have loved to see that. And also, I'm sure there would have been some criminal on there. Yeah, true. Um, and also, there's a rare the mention... The real criminal is uh, the casino. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> uh, there's a rare mention of Aunt Harriet, who is a really interesting character from the 60s. A lot of people think she was invented for the television show and especially invented to kind of like quell the notion that Batman and, or that Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson were like homosexuals. Which was one of the main arguments uh, that was presented by the guy who sort of started the need for the comics code. Mm -hmm. One of his things was that the, the Batman comics promoted homosexuality because of Batman and Dick's... Um, relationship hmm. along with his accusation that wonder woman was like bdsm porn or whatever i mean she kind of was 
So, <laughs> love that. Um, but yeah, uh, Anne Harriet was actually a character that was created in 1964 in the comics. And she had a really short run. She was really only in the comics until like 68, I think. Um, and she just sort of is Dick's aunt and she shows up and there's a whole storyline where like she slowly figures out that Bruce and Dick are Batman and Robin and there's some hijinks there. But at this point in the comics, she mostly just like bosses Alfred around and he seems to like it. <laughs> he's, he's got a, a, a relationship with her. Yeah. I don't think it's anything like romantic. I think uh, they just have like a mutual respect Two old people who are chummy with each other. Yeah, it's one of those things. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's also, I read there's some, there's some storyline, I guess earlier than this, where uh, Alfred gets like a boulder, like falls on him and crushes him and he dies. <laughs> and then she kind of takes on the role as like house person for Bruce and Dick. And uh, then he comes back to life a little bit later because it's the comics. Uh, so they do figure out exactly where they're supposed to go. There's a replica Noah's Ark. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, so they, and then they travel to it and this thing is just parked right off the coast of Gotham. Mm-hmm. It's a replica Noah's Ark that is just sitting out there at sea. Yeah. And they know that this is the right thing because it was purchased by the man whose testimony sent Scarecrow to jail. Mm. Mm. So they find Scarecrow on the Ark. As you said earlier, it's a trap. Uh, and they sneak onto the boat first. We get another mention of bat ropes. Bat ropes, yeah. Yeah. Climbing up. Uh, and And a bat boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and they also, while they're sneaking, like when they see Scarecrow, Batman and Robin are described as living weapons. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, you can... There's a lot of weird, like, military stuff in the next scene. We'll get to it. It's very strange. Um, Scarecrow uses a special blacklight vibe... Uh, vibrations to affect the brain, making the dynamic duo think that they are blind. Um, then he leaves, but he leaves some straws first. He, he also tells them that it was a trap. He tells them that it was a trap yeah. and that it was a setup. Uh, so that means that Scarecrow owns this boat. Yeah. He went out and bought this boat. Yeah. I guess with the money that he dug up from his park yeah. expedition. Okay. Mm-hmm. He can, you know what? He's been extorting people for decades. He can find the money. Mm. Uh, so he leaves. Um, and I don't know. They lock themselves and he locks them in this room. And they really just start like freaking out. They can't see anything. They talk a lot about like it's the most primal fear of our ancestors. Is the fear of the dark. It's fear of the dark. But they're really like playing up like how much they can't like get out and find the door. And they're in a big empty room. So I did a couple experiments in my own apartment. Becca um, wandered around the apartment with her eyes closed well, and, and bumped into things. No, well, the first thing I did was I just stood up from my chair, which is like maybe 15 feet from the front door. Uh, closed my eyes and just tried to walk to it with my eyes closed uh-huh. and like go to the door. And that was easy to that in a couple seconds. And then I asked Josh, who had not gotten to this point in the comic yet, and it was pretty confused about why I was asking him to do this. I asked him to like spin me around like you would if you were playing pin the tail on the donkey. So <laughs> I would like lose my orientation. Um, and, and then, then proceeded to run into the counter. And then, and then try to find the door. But like, yeah, I ran into the counter. And you ran into the bathroom door. But it really didn't take me that long to still find the door. 
okay. I'm just saying, they're making such a big deal out of it. And, like, yes, in the next panel, they do get attacked by, like, big cats, but... they fi- Well, they do, because they find a door, yes. but it's not, like, the exit door. It's a door that has a cheetah and a panther behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they open get- up a door to find babies. Yeah, they find big cats, mm-hmm. and then they get in a fight with the cats. Mm-hmm. And they can't... So they still, they're still blind, so they can't see where the cats are, and the cats, like... Have well, here's the weird thing, right? Because so because the comic says that the lights aren't actually out, mm-hmm. but it also says that like the cats have an advantage because they can see in the dark. So I think what he did with his black light vibrations was he affected like everything in a in a specific radius. Oh, I think that's why. Okay, maybe you know science. But anyway, so they start fighting these cats. Robin grabs the cheetah by the tail and starts swinging it around, mm-hmm. which I thought was impressive. But then I looked up how much uh, cheetahs weigh, and they actually only weigh like what was it, like a hundred to one hundred and forty pounds. Yeah. So they're not that heavy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a it's a wriggling cheetah, and you only have it by the tail. Yeah. It also might be a leopard. We're not one hundred percent sure. And then Batman. Uh, Batman fights T'Challa. Fights the panther. <laughs> Punches it in the chest. Yeah, that was sad. I was like, poor kitty. Um, and then they're like, oh, what are cats afraid of? Uh, fire, I guess. Yeah. Well, I love this because he uses, he sets a fire with Scarecrow's straws and his uh, laser beam torch, which I guess must not be what I thought it was because it looks like a laser pointer. And yeah. the irony was not lost on me that Robin is using a laser pointer to fight some cats. Oh, <laughs> I didn't even realize. Yeah. yeah, no, you're right. But like it sets a fire, so maybe it's a little a little more powerful than that. Yeah, so it sets a fire and Batman uh, pulls off a piece of the arc, which is smeared with pitch, which is kind of like oil. It can burn for a long time. Um, and they make like a torch out of it. And then they fend off the cats with the torch. And they keep looking for the doorknob. It's taking them kind of a long time. This is where I tried my second trial. I was like, it can't be that hard. Because <laughs> he's just, he's groping around for the doorknob, but like, it's right there. It's, he's right at the door. You can feel the difference between the wall and the door. Okay. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a comic. Um, so back in the bat boat, they, they do escape. They find the knob. They get rid of the cats. They're feeling a little sad about it. They they regain their sight. They, like, hang out for a bit. It wears off just like the other stuff did. Mm-hmm. Um, so back in the bat boat, uh, they actually solve the last clue by uh, Robin dunking on them, saying that they are, you know, <laughs> they're marks, they're fall guys. And Batman thinks, yeah, easy marks, you're right. And then he thinks about Mark is the same as Fall Guy, and it makes him think of Jeremy T. Fall, who is a rich friend of Bruce Wayne's. A disturbing amount of villains' clues and Batman's deductions rely on obtuse wordplay. Yeah. He's the world's greatest detective. This is like the... We're on our fifth episode... This is probably like the eighth time in these comics where he's come to a wild conclusion. He just keeps doing that, though, for like the rest of forever. Like that was a big (laughs) thing that people really didn't like in Batman and Robin and like in like like the Schumacher films does that, too. Yeah. Where he's like, wait a minute, this, that means this, and that means this, that's synonym for this. I know exactly where the Joker is. It's complete jumps in logic. Yeah. Um, so Jeremy T. Fall, who is a Silver Age villain's wet dream, who keeps large sums of money in his house, who is my mortal enemy, in fact. 
Someday the universe will end between a giant battle between myself and Jeremy T. Fall. <laughs> this is, yeah, he's, he's the epitome of, like, everything you hate about rich people in Gotham City, which is that they just keep their wealth lying around. And it's specifically so he can just, like, take big physical bags of money down to, like, the children's orphanage and be like, here you go, children. It's about appearances, you think? I, yeah, why not? <laughs> Otherwise, like, why wouldn't he just, like, make a monthly donation? Or adopt them? Or oh. write a check. Or write a check. Exactly. Does Gotham not have banks? You know, I was at, I went to get my car fixed today and they said no personal checks. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, maybe that's just, like, a thing in Gotham, too. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Every single business in Gotham doesn't allow personal checks. Yeah. And so wealthy people just have to carry around bags of money all the time. Yeah, you have to, you, they actually say like, oh, you want this nice dress, it's going to equal one bag with a dollar sign on it, <laughs> about 15 pounds. It's ridiculous. It is. This guy lives like a Scrooge McDuck life. Mm-hmm. So uh, at the mansion, uh, Scarecrow is blowing smoke in his face. He's getting all freaked out. I'm guessing he's already been infected with some sort of fear toxin because he is just like... Losing his mind. Um, and the dynamic duo actually set off the burglar alarm on their way into the mansion uh, and managed to kind of put Scarecrow and his his uh, guys on tilts a little bit. They have a fight. Uh, there's a lot of punching. There's not really much to say besides there's a lot of punching no, and some puns. No, it's just kind of a standard fight. Uh, Scarecrow and his, his, uh, his goons are caught off guard because of the... Because of the alarm, which he th- which Scarecrow thinks that he disconnected. Yeah. And then uh, there's also a, a police siren that sounds, and they're like, how are the police here so quickly? And because they're so thrown off, Batman's easily, able to easily dispatch of them. Mm, because fear is very powerful. Yeah. So uh, it, Batman admits to Jeremy T. Fall after uh, not lecturing him about keeping large sums of money in his house. Uh, tells him that they were the ones who sounded the burglar alarm and also the police sirens in order to use the fear against Scarecrow and yes. his men. And uh, I just want to point out, so the police siren, he says, comes from the Batmobile. It is illegal to have a siren on your car if you aren't a policeman. Mm-hmm. Batman is skirting the law. It's a good thing that he goes to those police luncheons and he's like good friends with the police <laughs> yeah. because otherwise he could be in jail for uh, impersonating a police officer. Mm, crazy. Uh, so the comic ends with one more last little panel. It's Andy the nerd from earlier. We get our full arc for Andy, and he has actually won the Jungle Gym contest, he, he whatever wins, that means. Yeah, he wins. It says he wins the Playground Championships. Yeah. Wh- whatever that is. Whatever that is. You know what? Good for Andy. In the end, he might have started out as a loser and a nerd, but in the end, he was really our hero. So you go, Andy. Mm-hmm. Love ya. And that's the, that's the end of the comic. That's the end of the comic. Uh, so last but not least, wanted to do a, <laughs> what might not be a quick round, uh, a little bit of a different who would win. You, okay. You put a little pressure on me the past couple of weeks. I've done like themes mm-hmm. and you asked what my theme would be. And I feel like I've done a lot of different villains and we always can just sort of be like, oh, this one has an advantage because of this. So instead we're going to do a seven man doctor battle royale. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so uh, same rules apply as any battle royale. To lose, you just go over the top rope. Both feet hit the ground. <laughs> we are so, in- so this is in a standard size WWE wrestling arena. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we've got Dr. Uh, Thomas Elliott, 
Hush, uh, Dr. Jervis Tetch, Mad Hatter, uh, Dr. Victor Freeze, Mr. Freeze, uh, Dr. Pamela Isley, Poison Ivy, Dr. Jonathan Crane, Scarecrow, Dr. Kirk Langstrom, also known as Man Bat, and last but not least, Dr. Harleen Quinzel, aka Harley Quinn. So that's your uh, seven-man battle royale. Who's who's getting eliminated first? Who's doing the the fake elimination where they get back in? Okay, so I didn't know that Mad Hatter was like a legit doctor. Yeah. Is he really a legit doctor? He is. Okay, I, I got so Harley is a psychologist. Mm-hmm. So is Scarecrow. Mm-hmm. Poison Ivy. I want to say she's a doctor in botany. Yeah, she's like a botanist. Okay, Man Bat is a biologist. Mr. Freeze, I want to say, is a chemist. Jervis Tetch is a research scientist. Okay, okay. So he's like an engineer kind of scientist. Uh, and Hush is a medical doctor. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see here. Uh, okay, another question is, do they have all of their, like, rogues gallery weapons? Yeah. So does Mr. Freeze have his freeze gun? Yeah. He is a cryogeneticist. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Manbat is in his in Manbat form. Scarecrow has his fear toxin. Poison Ivy has all of her plant powers. Yeah. Are there plants in this ring? No. No. There's like. Can she bring plants into this ring? She she's allowed. Is she allowed to bring like a potted plant? She's allowed one potted plant. Okay, but she can make them grow as Regulation fast as she wants. Size. Regulation size. Regulation size. She's she's allowed one strawberry plant. Okay. Um, Harley only has like a. Uh, uh, let's see, Mad Hatter, I guess he has his mind control devices. Sure. If he can get them on their heads. And and Hush, I mean, Hush doesn't have anything, right? He's guns. Hush has guns. He brought guns and trauma. Uh, I'm going to say Hush is marked out immediately. Really? Yeah. I don't think that he has enough superpowers or like, know how to go head-to-head against these other villains. But he's rich. In an all-out brawl. I know he's rich, but he... Like, Mr. Freeze's freeze gun would make quick work of him. Okay. Uh, He's more of a uh, cerebral villain to Batman. Mm -hmm. He commits crimes, and then Batman shows up afterwards. He's not, like, directly fighting with Batman most of the time. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna say, Hush is right out. Hush is the first to leave. Mm -hmm. Who gets him out? Um... Mr. Freeze and Poison Ivy both use their powers jointly. Okay. A uh, rare team up. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. What? You I, were going to say something? I think Harley's out too pretty early. Really? <laughs> yeah. Harley's like scrappy, but I think lack of superpowers is going to make it difficult for her. See, I would think that Man Bat... I know I always give Man Bat crap, but like I think Man Bat is out before Harley. Okay. I think it would be easier for the others to outsmart Manbat. Mm-hmm. Again, my similar similar to my argument when we talked about Manbat before is I think that he's too primal in his like bat urges to actually fight toe to toe with like human level intelligence people. Here's the other reason why. Okay, I agree with you. Manbat and Harley might both be out early, and it would be one of those things that you see in battle royales where somebody is just going like way too hard, and somebody just easily like sidesteps, and they're able to kind of just throw themselves over the top rope by accident. Yeah, Manbat is like he flies out, and somebody takes him down, and he's out. So he's out next. 
Um, Harley's gonna like miscalculate a flip. It's either nah, it's either Harley or Mad Hatter is next. Um, I don't think Mad Hatter can fight super well. No. Here's what I'm thinking. Maybe Mad Hatter puts one of his mind control devices on Harley. Mm. Harley does a bad flip somewhere, and instead of falling out of the ring, uh, is like easy pickings for Mad Hatter to throw a hat on top of her. Mm -hmm. And then she gets mind controlled, and he uses her to fight. Mm -hmm. And so they get her out, and then he's, because he doesn't have somebody defending him, He's an easy knockout. Okay, here's also my my thing, and okay. now I'm now I'm like fully booking this. Is Mad Hatter rolls out of the ring first? Nobody sees him go underneath the, the bottom rope, so he's not really out. So he didn't go over the top rope. He's hiding underneath the ring. He's snuck a hat on Harley. He's controlling her from under the ring. So put put a, put a pin in him for now. But Harley's out. Harley's out. Okay. okay, Mad Hatter's still in, but he's not in the ring. Okay. So you got Mr. Freeze, Poison Ivy, Scarecrow. Everyone thinks that's the final three, but Mad Hatter's still under the ring. Okay. Scarecrow, uh, he's going to use his fear gas. He probably would want to use his fear gas as soon as possible, mm -hmm. but I'm going to say that he waits just a little bit for dramatic effect. It's really interesting to think of him using his fear gas on people like Victor and Pamela. Which it won't work. Well, see, it won't work well, against Mr. Freeze. That's what I was about to say, is that Victor oh, Freeze is he in... doesn't breathe air, does Exactly. He? He's in an enclosed environment mm. in his in his suit. So he's not affected by the fear gas. Um, what would he be... He, think of all the trauma he has, though. He would be so affected by it if he could breathe it. If he could breathe he it. He would be just, like, inconsolable. So, but here's the thing is, Scarecrow has to break Mr. Freeze's helmet mm -hmm. in order to get him to breathe it. Okay. Which I don't think is going to happen via Scarecrow. Okay. Poison Ivy might be able to break Mr. Freeze's helmet uh -huh. by using her plant to squeeze it open. Okay. Would, okay, so... She, are you thinking, would she be affected by the fear gas? Yes. Her biology is different, and I don't know. Hmm. Can plants feel fear? Uh, I think they can. I think they can communicate, like... They've put, like, polygraphs on plants before that have, like, no, seen... not polygraphs. Like, crimes committed, EKGs, I don't know. You're ridiculous. There's, like, stories of, like, plants seeing, like, a murder, and they, like, can react to it. No. That's not real. It's... Okay. That doesn't sound real. Sure. Maybe in an episode of The X-Files or something. I feel like it's something I've heard <laughs> somewhere. Uh, yeah... So, I think maybe it comes to yeah. Well, if okay, if neither Poison Ivy or Mister Freeze is affected by the fear toxin, then then both of them are going to gang up on Scarecrow then and get him out of the ring. Yes, yes, I think yeah. that's right. So I think Scarecrow is out. Okay, I think Scarecrow is out. Rip. Um, and then so we're left with Mister Freeze versus Poison Ivy with Mad Hatter hiding. Yes. Um. Hmm. I think Poison Ivy at this point realizes that Mad Hatter is under the ring. She can sense him. And she uses her plant to pull him up and out. Mm -hmm. Like she, her plant likes goes over the ring and, and slips and grabs him and throws him over the ring. He falls. But while she's doing that, she's distracted. Mm. Mr. Freeze gets off a shot with his gun and knocks out Poison Ivy. Ooh, all right. And but Poison Ivy has a plant catch her <gasps> before she hits the ground. Oh, no! And she goes back into the ring and knocks Mr. Freeze out. Oh, wow. And the new 
Dr. Champion, Pamela Arsley. The crowd goes wild. You deserve it. You deserve it. That'd be great. I miss wrestling. I watched some wrestling today. I'm in a mood. (laughs) Um, Great. What'd you think of that? Who would win? You liked it? Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. And I I wanted the listeners to tell us if they thought it was fun, too. Good, yes. Batmatespodcast at gmail.com. Let us know if you want more wrestling booking. Uh, So moral of the story, don't be controlled by your fear. um, And don't keep tons of money in your house (laughs) if you don't want people to steal it. And if you're fighting a cat, uh, laser pointers will work no matter the size. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's good. Yeah. yeah. Overcome your fears. Overcome your fears, but don't force others to overcome their fears by sending them pictures of their fears because it's not nice, Dad. <laughs> Thanks for sponsoring this podcast also, my father, who does sponsor this podcast. In the 11th hour. Yep. Okay. Got it in there on technicality. Do we have anything else? We should uh, say that we're going to stream on Halloween again. Yep. Noon Eastern Standard Time. Twitch.tv slash. Batmates podcast. Uh, it's going to be fun. We're going to eat candy. Uh, maybe we'll get a webcam before then. Not sure. <laughs> maybe do a face reveal. Could be fun. We have our faces on the podcast. Yeah, I know. It's a pretty good picture. Um, you know, we'll see. So happy Halloween, y'all. Uh, stay spooky. Stay safe. Stay socially distanced. If you are going to go out, wear a mask underneath your mask. It's still uh, one week and one day till the election. When yeah. we're recording this, it'll be closer when we release it. Um, so please mail in your ballot if you haven't. Do in, your go early in person and vote if you if you have if you can't mail mm-hmm. in your ballot. You can still do early person voting in most places, and if you can't figure out how to vote, uh, you can go to iwillvote.com, and that will help you figure out your plan. Or you can email me at batmanspodcast.com. Batmatespodcast at gmail.com, and I will help you figure out your voting plan. I'm willing to do that for you (laughs) personally. Um, But yeah, have a great rest of your week, y'all, and we'll see you on Spooky Scary Halloween. Goodbye. The Batmates theme was created by Ben Dean at tinyurl.com slash Ben Dean, D-E-A-N-E, and our logo was created by Savannah Storm, you can find her at instagram.com slash art.by.savvys.